Hello everyone. Uh, I was going to say nice to see you. I obviously can't see you, but uh, I'm hoping at least one person is there. Uh, I'm here with Ian. Hello. Good to see you. Or uh, not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and we thought we'd record a uh, bit of a Talking Heads video based on, or prompted by a number of questions that came up following Sunday morning sermon. Um, I will say we're doing this in one take and we've not done this before, but you will be very much able to tell that we're only doing it in one take and not done it before. Uh, we're either going to put it on Spotify or YouTube. Um, we'll see how it ends up. If it does go on YouTube, we may even put in, in the description uh, what the different questions are we're covering. Um, and you can jump to those if there's something particularly that interests you. But, uh, do you know how to do that? Uh, I've said it, I'm going to have to find out. I think, I think <laughs> you, so. you committed to it now. Yes, that's it. Really gone in, gone in big. Uh, can we start? No, we won't start again. Uh, we'll, <laughs> <laughs> we'll get a go. Uh, yeah, okay. So I, I suppose um, I want to ask you actually, and when, when you preach... Um, and then people come to you afterwards with questions, like mm. either on the day or, or later in the week. Like, how, how does that make you feel? Yeah, that's a good question in and of itself. Um, I, generally, very happy, very glad. Um, I think it's really encouraging as a preacher to receive questions from people in response to what you've been preaching on, because mm. um, it shows that not only are people like listening to what you're saying, but they're engaging with it and they're thinking about it and they're mulling it over and... Um, and, and so I think it's, it's good and encouraging on that front. It's also good and encouraging because actually a lot of the time when you prepare to preach a sermon, there's loads and loads of stuff that like you could say, but that you just don't have time to say. Mm, and yeah. so actually when people come back to you and they go, oh yeah, but what about this? You go, oh great, I've got an opportunity to actually talk about this thing that I wanted to talk about. And so yeah, so I, yeah. I, I find it always uh, really encouraging. I don't always have the best answers, um, but it's always good to, to be asked. So mm, yeah, yeah. Did you find the same? Yeah, I do. I, I I really like people asking questions, and it makes me think of you know Jesus says, "Love God with all your mind." And so if our minds are catching on something, then mm. to engage with that in a in a a genuine searching for truth, getting wanting to know God better way, then that's that's amazing. And I do sometimes feel that trepidation of thinking, oh, do I know the right, do I know not even the right answer, but do I have an answer or even like, have I got it wrong? Um, and it's not, it's not a nice thing to go through, but, but actually just thinking for myself that if someone comes to me and says, well, you said this, could you help me see how that fits in with this passage? If they show me something that I've not seen and, and misunderstood previously, then that's good because I'm now learning something. And I, that gives me an opportunity obviously to say, oh, thank you. Thanks for bringing that to my attention depending on how significant that might be, then I might even bring it up in the next sermon or, mm. or however and say, do you know what, I got this wrong last week and someone showed me and I'm really grateful for that and I need to share that with you. So it, questions are great when they come with that, as all of these ones you know, did this time, with just people wanting wanting to love God and understand him better. Yeah, nice. So, so I wasn't there on Saturday morning. Uh, what kind of questions did you get? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, what, I'll, I'll recap because it was prompted by a question that I asked. So uh, we were in Matthew 28 um, and Jesus says, uh, we had some actions that Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Uh, and we're observing that comes straight after the resurrection. And, and uh, the question I asked was, did Jesus have to die and rise in order to be given all authority? Mm -hmm. It's just a you know, straightforward, as it were, yes or no question. And I gave people yeah. a bit of time to just turn to the person next to them. Um, and obviously... Uh, always a mixed setting it was actually an all age so you know a real range of people there some not christians some christians some young some old um 
Now you weren't there. Now we have we have obviously talked about this, um, but I, I did ask you on Monday. I said, "Oh, this has happened," and then I asked you. I didn't tell you what my answer was. I asked you. I asked yeah, you yeah. what your answer would be. Yeah, yeah. And you, what? Uh, yeah. What, <laughs> try and what did you roughly? What did you say? You yeah. What did I say roughly? I said, "Well, it depends. <laughs> it depends on what you mean." Um, so if as and and I think the way you answer this question is going to relate to something like fundamentally unique about Jesus. The fact that he is one person who has two natures. He has a divine nature and a human nature. He is yeah. fully God and fully man. So as to his divine nature, like can Jesus gain authority? Well, no, absolutely not. Like mm. he has always had all authority and power because he is God. He is the second person of the Trinity. So, so in that sense, I'd mm. say, well, no, like he, he can't, he doesn't have to die and rise. He can't die and rise as God to mm. to gain that authority. So, um, but if you mean according to his human nature, well then yes, absolutely. Like he has to die and rise in order to be given all authority because that's part and parcel of what it means for him to be the Messiah, the, the God's appointed saving king. And he does that as a man, mm. not as God, uh, according to his divine nature. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, no, no, that's gone up pretty pretty smoothly. Uh, <laughs> it probably wasn't quite like that when I first asked you. Oh, right, so, just so you don't inter- <laughs> Otherwise, people would be hugely intimidated. Oh, right, okay. these days, yeah. Hugely, um... yeah, that was like a one-minute summary of what took me about 20 minutes to say. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you did, you, you're, you're, actually, you did answer it with a straightforward yes when I, when I asked you. <laughs> Sorry, I should have said that when you just took a drink of water. But you did say, you did say tentatively yeah, yes. Yeah, I did, actually. Yeah, I've forgotten that. Yeah, yeah so I that did. was... Uh, yeah. uh, no, in fact, I think I said... Yes, and then I said, although I probably want to like qualify. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, but that's that's really helpful. So, the the answer on the day that I gave was from Philippians two, uh, and brought up on the screen um, a bit of it and saying, you know, he, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him, and seeing if that therefore means anything, Jesus didn't have something. He died, and because he died, he was then given it, mm. and is this exalting you know ties in very closely with being uh, being given all authority so for me it was a, a yes is definitely part of the correct answer that he, ha- he had to die and rise to be given these things and I mean, we didn't look at it um, on on the day but just just its place in context i think kind of demands that it, he doesn't say it in matthew 15 he says it in matthew 28 mm. just after you've had the resurrection account and it they're so closely tied together um so that's that's in terms of an answer, but you, you've you've flagged up here a way of approaching the the whole question, or any, or any question actually. That what do we think about Jesus? Did Jesus have to, or what, um, how do we understand what we're seeing of Jesus? So you've made this just just say that again briefly. Like you've distinguished two different parts of the question almost. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or two sort of angles at which you can come at the question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and it has again, it has to do with the uniqueness of Jesus mm. and the fact that there is there has never been and there will never be someone like him who is who is one person with two natures um and and this feeds into I mean there's this is you know books and books and books have been written about this and debates have raged about this and stuff but but whenever you're talking about Jesus it's really important I think to try and bear in mind that he is unique in that way mm. and there are there are times when we want to think about and talk about 
who he is as God and as the second person of the Trinity, the eternal son. Mm. And there are times when we want to think about who he is as a man. And and that's weird because even talking about it that way is uncomfortable because we're sort of separating Jesus almost into two people and we're mm. not. Like, he's not. He is the one God-man. Mm. But at the same time, it means something different to be God to what it means to be man. And yeah. so when he takes a human nature upon himself, mm. there are things that are a bit different and, and there are ways that we can talk about him as man that are appropriate as we talk about him as a man and there are ways that it's appropriate to talk about him as God mm. that don't necessarily bleed through into each other, if that makes sense. Yes. And, and, and actually, and sorry, I was going to say, like several notable heresies in the history of the church have come up from like messing up that distinction. Yeah. Yeah, thank or, you. Or overemphasizing the distinction. Yeah, that's really helpful. And so for us, practically, the question <clears throat> becomes when we're thinking about Jesus and particularly, you know, wanting to understand him from God's word, what part, what nature is in focus? Mm. Or, or maybe not, just what, what, are we, what are we to learn about Jesus? And it may be the fact that he is both God and man, or it may be something about his divine nature, or it may be something about his human nature, and, and identifying what's, what's at play here is really helpful and one of the things that actually encouraged me about the questions is people really wanting to preserve jesus deity yeah thinking yeah, yeah. like hang on he must have all authority already because otherwise because god has all authority and so if we say jesus at one point didn't have all authority he's not god yeah and, you know that's a heresy yeah so, yeah we don't want to be, yeah it, it, there's a right sense in which it makes you uncomfortable yes and i think that's good like, yeah. i think that's a good that's a good response yeah yeah and, that, and that's that then that goes back to that whole thing at the beginning about questioning wanting to know god better yeah like what what am i being told here what am i learning what and is it true from scripture and is it you know ultimately is it is this who god is or or not yeah so that's 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 such an important thing and and i think the other thing you flagged up is it's really hard so we we just (laughs) you know we we can take small steps and and, you know the the mystery of the incarnation and this is a good example of a mystery of something that we cannot comprehend and at best we can kind of we slightly dissect it to look at it, whilst at the same time knowing it can't be dissected, mm. and so we're we're doing something artificial just to try and engage with it, yeah, in a meaningful way. But knowing that our, our understanding is always going to fall way short, yeah, and that's totally. okay because we're, yes. we're human. And there are things that we can definitely say because there are things that God has revealed to us. Yeah, about yeah. It. So it's not like we're kind of guessing at everything. There are things we can definitely say, mm. but can we like properly? hammer it all out and fathom it out so we've got it all totally like no that's just not yeah, that's yeah. Not how it works Can, j- just one I've, I've just conscious of something else that we weren't going to talk about but i wonder if it's worth mentioning just in light of what we've been saying i've, I've mentioned the h word like like heresy you know i think it's important to to say um to be clear that like what it means to be like a heretic it really is to um to hold to and defend a position yeah. when you are told and shown from scripture no that's wrong so it's not like oh no i answered gareth's question wrong on sunday morning i'm a heretic like that's not that's mm. not what we're talking about here we're talking yeah. we're talking about like uh, to, to heresy is about sus- like adamantly holding to a position mm. when you've been told by people in authority and stuff like that and and from the scriptures yeah that's no, really that's wrong. sorry that's re- no that's really helpful because i think there's a danger, you know, if someone asks you a question, you think, oh, I'm just not going to answer it. Yeah. Might, yeah. 
you know, someone says, put your hand up in church if you think this, like, oh, I can't, because that, I might, like, condemn myself. And, you know, for, for us, that we're part of learning is, part of growing is knowing where we weren't quite, <clears throat> we're just not quite right yet. Yeah. And so it's really helpful to realise, oh, I'm not right. And so when, you know, someone said to me, oh, it, um, it was a hard question and I, and I got it wrong. Um, and I, I, think they, I think they were smiling at the time. But, but I, I, I want people to be able to say it with a smile. And, and for me, like, I made loads of mistakes. I make loads of mistakes, lots of mistakes. And learning is inherently involved in that is saying, oh, I'm not right here. Yeah. And so it's really useful if you realise you're not right. And so sometimes being asked a question that you get wrong is so useful for that, which is very different to sustained defense of something that biblically yeah, yeah. is untrue yeah so yeah we've mentioned these questions that yeah, people yeah. had like what what kind of questions did you get on sunday morning yeah so some of them were related to how does this just go with jesus divinity oh so uh that one uh, colossians 1 15 this like we have christ as the firstborn and, and overall creation everything made uh, through him and for him and by him how can that person then be given all authority because surely he must have had it in order to do that and so i think what we've already described goes some way of bringing that that philippians 2 and that idea in colossians 1 together mm. um one of one um person uh, you know uh, it was a really great conversation they were sharing why they'd said no to the question did jesus have to die and rise because they said well he um there's a passage that came to their mind that jesus has authority he has authority to forgive sin so he must not have it, and only God can for- forgive sin. So that was a that was a really good, um, really good example of uh, how do these passages go together? Mm-hmm. But we you know, we were talking. This is in um, Matthew. I've just now Matthew nine. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, why don't you can you can have a look too, Matthew nine. We, we've not got the text should, to make it. Should have told you at the beginning. Like grab a Bible. Yeah, and, yeah. Well, you can pause it. I suppose that's that's. Oh good. yeah. Um, uh, yeah, Matthew nine, uh, Matthew nine six. Um, so this is this is where Jesus is healing the paralyzed man, and he says your sins are forgiven. And then he says Matthew nine verse six. I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, get up, take your mat, and go home. And the man does that, and so that shows that he has this authority to forgive sins. Mm-hmm. But we were talking; it's really interesting about how Jesus even refers to himself here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? He, he, he. Well, he how does he talk about himself? He talks about himself as the Son of Man. So. He doesn't say I, mm. which is interesting in and of itself. He doesn't say so that you know that I have authority to give sins. He he says the Son of Man, and what what he's alluding to there that's like uh, a kind of Bible hyperlink that takes you back to Daniel seven, um, which is a passage all about the coming Messiah. The the and and even there it's sort of a bit mysterious. It's like is this God? Is this a man? Like what's going? You know. Mm. So um, that title that Jesus gives to himself when he's talking about the authority that he has to forgive sin is a messianic title it's to do with who he is um not just as a as the second person of trinity but particularly as a man as the Mm. messiah um and so it's interesting that in that context he's saying that he has authority as the as the messiah to forgive sins on earth Mm. um and I guess the interesting question that follows on from that is, would he have that authority if he didn't die and rise again? <laughs> mm, yes. Yeah. And, and just that's like the son of Matt is, you know, it's clearly a human title. So it's, a, it's even as a human, he's been given this. And that's the, the question on earth is to show or for here to show that Jesus, the man has, has authority. Yeah. God, that he is the Messiah who must be human 
as as God has already prophesied that it's going to be someone from Israel. It's not it's not someone outside of Israel. It must be you know born of woman, all those things. So it's it's a human it's a human thing, even in Matthew nine, which actually then really syncs it up very nicely with Matthew twenty eight saying Jesus the human who is also God, but the, Jesus the human has been given all authority. Yeah. Uh, and now a human has all authority in heaven and on earth, and that's never happened before. Mm-hmm. And the, the thing that has made that happen is not <coughs> just, or I say just, uh, incredible thing that God would take on a human nature. But that alone doesn't give human, a human that human all authority. It's mm. it's humbling himself, it's, it's being obedient, and therefore God, God exalting him. And so... That's nice from that passage. Are there other places you go to kind of tease that out? That this idea that, like Jesus is, I don't want to say in some sense lacking, but like grows or develops or gets something he didn't have before. And yes, because as to as to Jesus and his divine nature, like we should be uncomfortable with that idea that yeah. he gains anything or gets anything or grows in any way, shape, or mm. form. Because the minute he does that he ceases to have been god if that makes sense so so yeah where where else do we see in scripture jesus growing gaining Mm. and so therefore we see well that that must be according to his human nature rather than his divine nature yes well there's there's two um i jotted down one's in um luke chapter two um just luke 220 52 we i think we looked at this a couple of christmases ago and it was just it's just interesting to spot it and if you don't have jesus god and man in your mind then you, you are left a little bit perturbed by it. So, uh, Jesus, uh, sorry, Luke 2.52, Jesus grew in wisdom and in favour with God. So then, now you use the word like, lacking, and we feel like, oh, however we talk about it, he clearly proceeds, he progresses, he has something here, which he didn't have there. Mm. He grows in wisdom, and that implies there must be less wisdom than before. And so immediately, I think, there's part of us which is rightly on alert. I think, oh, hang on, this is this is Jesus. He's he's divine. But I think the focus here is very much, you know, we're talking about his his earthly mother and Jesus being a boy and growing. Mm. So it's very natural to talk about a human growing in wisdom. Mm. And, and I think we'd be probably quite comfortable saying, when Jesus was born, he lacked the ability to speak. Yeah. You know, I don't think we have a anyone would, would say Jesus was able to do everything that an adult would be able to do the moment he was born. We'd say he lacked the ability to preach when he was born, but not. Not because he wasn't divine, uh, and not even because he wasn't going to be able to do it. It's just it was it was actually according to his nature. Mm-hmm. So he he lacked the wisdom that that anyone with that a human nature lacks when they are, you know, four yes. years old, five years old, and so on. So that when we think about the human level, then it's just much more. It just makes a lot more sense. Yes, and the reason that's really confusing and sort of like mind melting is because at that same moment, as to his divine nature, he's not lacking in wisdom. So it's, yeah. so it's this weird sort of ma- brain melting thing where you yeah. have like, here's Jesus as a baby in a cradle, unable to speak, lacking in some sense wisdom yeah. as, to his, as to his human nature. And yet at the same time, as to his divine nature, he's sustaining the stars and the planets and ruling on the throne of eternity. And so it's just like... How do we reconcile that? Well, we like yeah. we can't. <laughs> like that is, as you were saying before, that's that's the mystery of the incarnation. Mm. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that those two things aren't both true. Yes. Um, and that, and I think that's where it's really important. And kind of going back to that Philippians passage where we feel like, oh, how can that be be true? That's a that's a good thing to ask. But just before the step before that is, what does it say? Yeah. And if it says this, you know, 
he, he, he was obedient to death on the cross, therefore God exalted him. Whatever we might ask, we say, well, it does clearly say this, so this came, this, so that. And, and we have to accept that. That, and that's our doctrine of, of scripture that God speaks the truth now we need to carefully understand it and bits of the Bible don't contradict each other and therefore we might realize oh hang on in this instance we might say ah, it's not it's not talking about his divine nature what we, we understand what it isn't saying as well as what it is saying mm. but we, we we do need to hold those things in tension um, uh, one, one other good example actually you said before, before yeah. you jump to anywhere else actually one, one of the things that illustrates the importance of being really careful about this is while we're in Luke two, actually, is if we like flip uh, forward. Where are we? In Luke two. If we uh, flip forward to uh, Luke, uh, is it three? Yeah, the end of Luke three, right? Now, autom- I don't know about you, but automatically, when we read something in the scriptures that refers to Jesus as the Son of God, we think, oh right, divine nature. Mm. But the end of the genealogy. In Luke 3, who is the son of God? Adam. Mm, (laughs) So even the title son of God, we shouldn't instantly think, oh, that means he must be divine. Mm. Um, Actually, often in the New Testament, son of God, confusingly, is also shorthand for he's the Messiah. So so we we just we have to be asking that question, like, what's the context here? And don't just jump straight to it's Jesus. Therefore, it must be his divine nature. Yes. Thank you. Yes, one of the. Pa- I want to then ask you about because we've got a song that we some, we sometimes sing at Christchurch <laughs> yes, and that yeah. links that. Well, the one of the that's answering the question about where else we see it. Just in Hebrews five, this really struck me when I came across it um, myself. Um, Hebrews five, uh, verse eight, uh, talking about Jesus, and again uses the word language of son. Hebrews five, verse eight. Son, though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And then verse nine, and and this is even like even more. Whoa, once made perfect, therefore, that is, having been made perfect through what he suffered, mm. he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. So Jesus, if you kind of reverse engineer that, that means in the language of Hebrews, he was not perfected before he suffered, and he had not learned obedience before he suffered. Yes. And that cannot be the divine nature. It has to be the human nature. Yes. And again, we're thinking, oh. And, oh and no. even even as to the human nature, like that should make us uncomfortable because that's not a moral statement. Mm. Like, that's not a moral judgment. Or, oh, he wasn't morally perfect until he suffered and learned obedience. Mm. Like, no, that, that's not what it's saying. Yeah. But it is, but it should make us think there was a sense in which there was something that he did not have to make him like perfectly fitted. Mm to be the saviour until he did yeah and what was it well it was his suffering and his obedience to, yeah. to that command of his father that's not because he was rampantly like not because he was disobedient before but it's mm. just like that opportunity had not yet presented itself and when it did he took it yes so yes which heightens that actually that what he did this doesn't downplay what he did actually heightens it because he mm. he needed to be that obedient and he you know not my will but yours be done that that and we can recognise that wow, he is—he is not superhuman, but he is the human. Yes. And he—he he went through that when we never—we never would have done. Yes. Uh, and we don't do that in our daily lives, so we can recognise that he is the one who is perfect, humanly speaking, as well as always being perfect <coughs> in, in his divine nature. Uh, I've mentioned a song, yeah. yeah so tell, song. tell, yeah. And this, uh, what you said a minute ago that just brought it straight to my mind is you said that 
sometimes we can jump straight to oh it's talking about jesus yes. god yeah 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 so yeah. Yeah, tell us what the song is yeah, and then yeah so this is like hands up like i'm chief guilty person here so what uh, a song that we uh have sung quite a lot actually this past term uh a cu- past couple of terms at WizKids. um is a great song uh in lots of ways it taught it it, it well, i don't even know what it's called it's called something like how cool is that or something so it says uh, we, we were looking at jesus in mark's gospel um and we come up, we see Jesus doing all these incredible things. Jesus healed, it's got something like, Jesus healed a paralysed man. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, Jesus fed a very big crowd. Uh, Jesus calmed a terrible storm. Yeah. And, and all of those, uh, uh, after each of those, in the chorus it goes, how cool is that? How cool is that? Something amazing happened. He must be God if he did that. Mm. How cool is that? At which point I want to stop and go, really? Like, did he have to be God? to do that and so uh, did jesus have to be god to heal a paralyzed man well that gives us some real problems when peter heals a paralyzed man in acts Mm. um does he have to be god to raise people from the dead well like does that make elijah divine like you know Mm. what i mean so it it it, i can see how we get there with the Mm. song and i and i understand that sentiment and i want to go I want to take every opportunity to go, look, Jesus is divine. Um, but at the same time, I think we can jump so quickly to Jesus did a miracle, therefore he's divine. Mm. Well, actually, lots of people do miracles and they do it by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I think one of the things that, uh, and I, I, I'll openly confess that I need to do more thinking about this myself, but I think one of the things that we need to think through is when Jesus is doing things, when we see him doing things in the New Testament, and they're incredible we shouldn't instantly jump to he only did that because he was divine Mm. actually i think quite often he did those things because he was the spirit empowered Mm. messiah he did them according to his human nature and it's a genuine real human nature it's not like he got to the limits of his humanity and then called on his divinity Mm. as and i think sometimes we can think that way and that's not i don't think that's right and i don't think that's always helpful i think a lot of the time it's more helpful for us to and, and actually it should be really encouraging to us mm. like the spirit that raised him from the dead the spirit that empowered jesus to do all of these incredible things mm. is the very same spirit who dwells in us mm. uh, again and i'm not saying like that means therefore we can go and do everything jesus did but but i do think that should encourage us mm. and it and it should yeah, it's just something for us to think about. Whenever we see Jesus doing amazing things in the scriptures, not to just jump to, oh, that means he's God. Mm. And, and again, don't miss him. That doesn't mean he's not God. Yes. <laughs> okay? We don't want to minimise that. Um, but we... Yeah, I don't... Yeah, yeah it's fine. It's fine. It's going to that thing of what is what is the scripture, this particular scripture here for, and yeah. what is it telling us about Jesus? And maybe it's actually not telling us here, right here, the emphasis is not he's divine. It may be... He is the spirit-filled human being, which, as you say, is hugely encouraging. And that, to me, makes you know, sometimes we can end up uh, talking about Jesus doing his thing and then the Holy Spirit kind of a bit like a sideshow. Mm. And actually, if we have those, if we have that, if we end up in that situation, we've gone wrong because Scripture talks about, like, you know, the Spirit descends on Jesus and the Spirit is the one who drives him out into the wilderness. And yeah. Jesus is spirit-filled. And so he, he is the Holy Spirit man. And... and and that's why it's then incredible that we get given the Holy Spirit to make us like Jesus and to help us um, 
be his people and and to be the the sort of human that god wants us to be yes which is such a privilege yes so you know when we get our thinking better on these things actually we it ends up in worship and devotion and joy because wow actually i'm more like jesus than i realized because he was the humans filled with the spirit and and that's what i am yes that's what he says i am and what he made me so yeah and, and of course like we could like spend the next hour talking about caveats you want to put around that like he he didn't have original sin and like a, a, a sinful mm. human nature that's corrupted from the start in the way that our that we do mm. so obviously like our our and that is the christian existence isn't it like the flesh waging war against the spirit mm. right and that's and yeah. and that will be the case for us until we die and we get our resurrected bodies which are perfected like his resurrection yeah, body. so yeah. it's um but yeah, that, yeah, and like I said, we could we could talk about stuff around that for for hours. But actually, I think I don't know if we want to sort of start bringing this into land at some point soon. But um, when we do get there, I think I think one of those key things is we we need to have a really high view of Jesus' divinity. Absolutely, we do. But we also need to have a really high view of his humanity, and and it's good to ask questions about the intersection of those things mm. and to, to as we as we come to jesus and we behold him in the pages of scripture to be asking like wow what does this tell me about him as a as a one unified person mm. who is both who has both a divine and a human nature? yeah yeah that's great um let's let's just look at one more passage because we were talking about what questions it raised and there's mm. Uh, one thing talking about you also mentioned at the beginning stuff we cut out of the sermon one thing i did wonder about looking at is the uh, temptation of jesus in the wilderness by the devil and it's in matthew matthew 4 mm. um might just look at that to to finish because uh, a couple of people like two different people uh, have mentioned this um uh, matthew 4 verses 8 to 10 so the uh, here jesus has been tempted by the devil verse 8 again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor all this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So one of the questions here was that how do we understand this? There's clearly that there's a parallel with Matthew 28 in Matthew 4, uh, 4 about like, all authority, you know, the kingdoms of the world. I will give you all this if you bow down and worship me. So Jesus is given all authority in heaven and on earth in Matthew 28. But the devil seems to tempt him with half of that here. Now, one, one of the um, possible solutions, you know, people are saying well, it, the devil's lying here because he hasn't got this authority to give. Like he doesn't rule the kingdoms of the world. But we, we were thinking that maybe there's a different way of looking at it. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, I, I think there's a really important way of looking at it, which is to say, like. If, if this passage is going to have any integrity or encouragement for us, like it needs to be a genuine temptation for Jesus. Like, mm. I don't think this is just here to be like. Look at Satan, one idiot. Like, he, like, how did he actually think he was going to tempt Jesus with that? Mm. Um, and uh, we could do this with each of the temptations, but I think with that one in particular, it's really important to look and go, ask the question, like, what is he offering to Jesus here? Mm. And why is that tempting? Mm. Um, so, so what is he offering to Jesus? Like, what? Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I think that's it, because he must be offering a real thing, and he's, he's offering him half of all authority in heaven and on earth mm. because if if it was an outright lie like the devil just didn't have any of this to offer jesus could just say you haven't got that yeah <laughs> uh, but jesus wants that it's rightfully his it's right that he has all authority on earth um 
what the devil is offering him, like your question, the je- devil is offering him a shortcut. He's yes. offering him the wide road and saying, oh, you, want, you want all authority. This is such an, you don't want to go the way of the cross. And Jesus doesn't, in his human nature, doesn't want to. Not my will. You know, no one wants to face that. No human wants to face that because no human should face that. And so he's being offered a shortcut to authority. Yeah. Which is a real temptation, like you say, otherwise the devil is, is, is a terrible temp you know, a terrible tempter and like not very good at not very good <laughs> he's at He's a it. rubbish tempter. Yeah. yeah. Whereas, you know, he offers a bread to a man who's absolutely starving. So you know, yeah. he, he knows what he's doing. And yeah. they go back to the Garden of Eden, like the temptation to Eve was partially true. It's it's truth mixed with a lie. And that's what makes it so appealing, is like, yes, there is this is on offer. And the Bible talks about the devil, doesn't it? Of it. Um, sorry, the Bible talks about the devil having a measure of authority over the over yeah, the world. Yeah, yeah, the ki- uh, like the dominion of darkness, like the ruler. Uh, what is it? The ruler of the kingdom of the power of the air, or whatever it is. Yeah, and yeah. The prince. And Jesus talks about the prince of this world as well. Yes. So the, yeah, yeah. The devil is given you know, by God. He's given titles of authority over the world. Yes. So it's not. It's not a. An, uh, it's not a nothing temptation to Jesus. Actually, the devil does have something meaningful he is offering yes and again like this is i haven't done extensive study into this but i suspect that that is in some profound sense linked to the fall and the fact that like he is the accuser Mm. and he legitimately comes and accuses people Mm. and says like you know they there is a sense in which we all at some time have been part of his kingdom part Mm. of his dominion because he can rightly point the finger at us and say look at that person they're sinful they're rebellious Mm. they're mine um, makes me think of Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, and and so there is a sense in which, yeah, like while those kingdoms are like that, but while while people are sinful, mm. which we all are, then we're then we're under His dominion. It's only when Jesus suffers and dies and provides a way for us to be righteous and mm. spotless um, that actually we can move from Satan's kingdom to Jesus. Yes, which is why it's so important. He, Jesus, gets tells Satan to go away, and like this is not worship. I'm going to worship God only. I'm going to be obedient. Yes. I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to go the hard way, the way of the cross and resurrection beyond that. And afterwards, get given the whole deal, not just a measure of authority over the earth, but actually yes. all authority in heaven and on earth. The devil doesn't offer all authority on earth because that is not his to give. Yes. And so we can be encouraged as we read this, thinking Jesus said no to the easy. He did the the from our perspective, the impossible. Yes. That we could be blessed and, and we could be brought in and um, that we can have the spirit in our hearts and all those things we've talked about um, and, you know, in, in the more kind of mundane bits of like church life that we can read the Bible together and, and listen to God, God's word um, as church family and, and seek to grow. So, mm-hmm. that you know, that's that's an encouragement. We, actually, by, by bad phrases, I was like giving the devil his due here, we realise, wow, that was a real temptation and Jesus overcame it and he was obedient and mm. so all the more glory to Jesus. Yeah. Which is probably where we should finish. That's pro- that's a good that's a good point to finish on. All the glory to Jesus. Amen. <laughs>